about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Following last night's State of the Union address, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV, available on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't already, please consider doing so. And thank you to the hundreds of you that have already put up positive reviews for our podcast. If you are willing to do that preemptively, we want to thank you in advance because that does help for us to get the word out to more people that you would like us to get the word out to. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can let us know what you think about what we think. That's the email address. My last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. We just wrapped up uh, taping today's show for CRTV on the television side of things, which included our weekly uh, visit from our prophet of woe and lamentation who's our chief policy analyst here at Conservative Review, Daniel Horowitz. Let's give the audience a preview of what's coming up today on CRTV. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, if you're a person who likes to wrestle with uh, philosophical questions and somebody came to you and said or asked, are people basically good? All you need to do is watch last night's State of the Union address or our commentary on it. And the answer, not complicated at all. Because they're not. Yeah. He's almost there. He's almost there. He we have was... almost won. It's taken 500 and going on one years now. Yeah. We've almost won the <laughs> reformational <laughs> argument. Almost. Uh, my daughter. He's, hey. he's my... now calling me out for not being total depravity. He's attacking me on my evangelicalism from the right now. Okay. Yeah. We're almost there, Aaron. We've almost oh. done Todd it. And Todd today was actually talking about 2018, 2020, 2024. <laughs> that's right. That was crazy. Um, yeah, that's... My goodness. What were you saying about your daughter, man? My daughter had her first uh, confession last night, so that's 444, so we're rolling Catholic style. <laughs> and she's sitting there saying, Father, I'm about to lose my father. I'm confessing for him as well. Those, those dastardly Protestants, we're, we're about to lose another one. Aaron, Aaron go ahead. Uh, as, as unlikable as Trump is and his personality is... And his narcissism is the Democrats, if they know anything at all, it's how to be less likable than president <laughs> it's is. It's a gift. The president is. What a charism that is. They, they. <laughs> My spiritual gift is I can be less likable than Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, golly. This is political double predestination. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Very nice. Calvin was right. Calvin was right. Um, yeah, it was. It's a show you definitely want to check out. And I, I had a chance earlier today, just a a, a a nerd moment for me, fanboy moment, political nerd moment. Grew up watching Crossfire a ton as a kid with Pat Buchanan and Bill Press. And I got a chance to go to debate Bill Press today on, on HLN about Trump's speech. And... Instead of playing the uh, right-wing caricature, I actually tried to give him some constructive coaching. He, he took that well. He didn't take it very well. 
I think he liked that less than if I would have just said, Jane, you ignorant slut, and just debated him from there. The fact that I tried to have a meaningful conversation, the fact that I tried to tell him, stove is hot, stove is hot, stove is hot, stove is hot, still hot, still hot, stove is scalding hot, the stove is hot, hot stove, stop touching it. With all due respect. Yes, he didn't like that at all. I think he just wanted me to hate him, and I didn't. Uh, I was trying to see if there was any way whatsoever to break through the stronghold, and they're just... I think there he's been not. around a while. He's getting a little long in the tooth. To him, you're a young whippersnapper. And I think it felt like you were basically telling him to take his take his pills. So Did it, I didn't mean I really I didn't wasn't know. trying to be pat no. I could see that though. You weren't. I, could, I was I was not trying to be patronizing. I actually felt he patronized me. And and once he did that, that's when I looked at him and said, Well then you do you, I guess. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, there's only so many times I can tell you the stove is hot. You've got welts, burns. He's telling me we don't need your advice on how to win elections. I'm like, I don't know. You've lost 1,100 of them in the last eight years. You need some advice from somebody. Maybe not from me, you know, because I lost to Donald Trump too. So maybe you don't take the advice from me. <laughs> we we got killed by Donald Trump as well. So maybe I'm not the one to talk to. But talk to somebody because you're getting your ass kicked. They're gonna blow this, guys. Yeah. They're going to blow this. Yeah. We're a month in to an environment that was even, that's far more favorable for them than even 2016 was when they blew that. And the month in, we lied to Americans that there were, their taxes were going to go up and they're not. We then, we then criticized companies who gave people four-figure bonuses and are reinvesting billions of dollars to create more jobs back into the economy. We shut the government down all of the government down for three days, didn't pay our troops uh, for 690,000 illegals. And then the day after we shut it down, when the president offered them three times as much amnesty as they demanded in the shutdown, they returned the favor by calling him a xenophobic bigot. And then last night refused to stand for the national anthem and to applaud victims of of people who were maimed or killed by violent gangs. Do I have that? Is that chain of events correct? You're on the ball. Tomorrow is February. (laughs) Think about that. It, tomorrow. The election's not next week. Tomorrow, it's just February. <laughs> what is... I said when Trump got in office, we're going to age in dog years. What's faster than dog years? That's what the Democrats are doing to us. What is faster than dog... Is that like a gnat? Like we're all dead in like three weeks, right? That's what the Democrats are doing. America, we're just going to be splattered windshields by like by like memorial by like Memorial Day. That's just America. There's nothing left. We're all just, we're all Rick Grimes now. Yes. Just we are the Walking Dead. <laughs> all right, let's play our round of buy, sell, or hold. We like to play this each and every week. It's my favorite podcast because it's the one that requires no homework for me whatsoever. And I guess just I just get to sit here and react. Our producer Aaron will throw out a series of provocative statements, which. Todd and I will hopefully have a good reason why we say buy that, sell that. We are allowed one hold, but if you choose that hold, then you are showing you are more ballless than West Virginia U.S. Senator Joe Manchin. And and dudes don't let another dude go Joe Manchin. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, the videos on our Facebook wall, you need to see this for yourself. This is what we used to call in the locker room back in the day, boys, a denutting. And he lets Chuck Schumer of all beta males do it to him. What's what's worse than being a beta? Is he a sigma? Is he a zeta male? <laughs> I'm Joe Manchin, zeta male. 
Yes. All right. That's what. That's who you are if you take a hold. So you better have a darn good. Like Aaron, better be asking you something about cold fusion and the return of Christ that you simply just can't answer before you take a hold today of all days, Todd. Are we agreed? Agreed. I mean, the dude code must alms and thanksgiving must be made to the dude code today after what Joe Manchin did to violate that. All right? So, Aaron, you may fire when ready. If the 2020 election were today and Trump were on the ballot, you would vote for him. If it were today? Yep. I would vote for him. I've seen enough action on my belief system affirmatively not better than Hillary better than Gacy better than Richard Ramirez better than Marx okay I mean sooner or later we just keep sliding down that pole too right okay no I'm seeing objectively good action on core principles and beliefs if I voted in the 2020 election today therefore I would reward that I actually asked myself uh, this question on the way over here, and uh, my answer would be the same, which isn't to be confused for what I might do tomorrow. And I literally mean tomorrow, all right? But my, my general thinking is almost exactly along the lines of uh, Steve. This, while being depressing, annoying, stupid, juvenile at many times in the last year, and I'm talking about the Trump presidency, ultimately, the snowball that has been created at the end of one plus year is something right now I can work with. You said it better than me. Eagles win 34 to 28. Bye. You go first. Go as ahead. great as great as the Patriots are, the, the luck has got to run out. And you know, you make your own luck to some degree when you're great, when you're disciplined, when you have great players. All of it, all of it, true. But this this dynasty. I mean, when I look back, what is there like? They they've never crushed anybody in any of their Super Bowl wins. I mean, they they. When they beat Carolina and Philadelphia, Steve, in their second and third win, I, I, did they maybe win by 10? I mean, my memory serves. Maybe two touchdowns. I mean, decent wins. But those were like the big wins. I mean, they barely got by in these last two Super Bowls. Now, is it going to shock me if they win? No. Is it going to shock me if they come in and actually do a reverse of last year and roll up four touchdowns? or? No, I really don't think that's going to happen. I think the Eagles are legit. Um, but I just, I, I think they've kind of used up all of their luck. It does feel like we're coming, if, if this won't be the end, it feels like we're approaching it, doesn't it? Brady is of the age. Remember, it wasn't too many years ago. We were marveling at how Peyton Manning wasn't aging either. And then that very last year when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in spite of him because of how historically great their defense was. 
it was like he aged like five years in like a month. Fucking every right? great athlete. Favre the first year with the Vikings it, yes. versus the second year. Yes, good, good, good analogy. And so Brady is still great. But Manning was still great too. And then after a while, suddenly it's like, crap, he just got old like last week. That you happens. and I have experienced yeah. that in our own lives, just walking and getting out of a chair. That that <laughs> I could I could see that happening to Brady, in, in in even a season, as great as he's playing right now. They're losing their offensive and defensive coordinators are both going to head coaching jobs. Even their special teams coach may be gone. Um, you do wonder how many times can you keep? Yeah, well, they've lost coaches before. But there's a reason why when they lost Josh McDaniel, they brought him back. They wanted to restore continuity. Matt Patricia has been the defensive coordinator there for, what, four or five years. That's a, They've actually had more continuity than people think. And you do kind of get the sense the way that they were an overwhelming favorite against Jacksonville. At home, a franchise that... Uh, has not had a lot of success over the last decade or more, and was was kind of in the was it was in the playoffs as a wild card. No one thought a lot of, and had a ten point lead in that game, mid late fourth quarter, that required more Brady heroics. You do kind of wonder if we're kind. If, let's just say we're closer to the end than we are their prime. This may not be the end, but we're getting to it, I believe. Philadelphia, NFL games are won from the inside out because everybody's got fast receivers. Everybody's got good running backs. Even even the Browns have Josh Gordon, who's an incredible wide receiver, and they went 0-16, okay? Where NFL games, particularly when you start getting elite teams at this level, are won inside out. The Falcons, that's a great comeback that Brady made last year. But the Falcons sat there with two outstanding running backs and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman at a 28-3 lead and never gave him the ball to grind out the clock. They kept chucking and ducking. Now, the way the Eagles play, they're a primary running football team. If they get up by 7 or 10 points, they're not going to play that way. They are, I think, clearly the superior team in the trenches. If we were playing the spread, I'd be all over the Eagles. I don't know what it is now. I know that it opened about five, five and a half. I'd be all over the Eagles plus those points. But when I get to them winning outright, it's what I've often said about your guy, Aaron Rodgers. To me, if the Eagles win, they have to physically control the game. Meaning they have to do what the Giants did where they so dominated uh, Brady twice at the line of scrimmage. I, I don't think, I, I can't foresee a scenario where Brady has, if it, where, where it's 34 to 28 and Brady has the ball at the end and he doesn't score. Can you see that? No. I can't see it either. So I think for the Eagles to win outright, I think it's got to be 24-14 because if you ham Tom Brady the ball, with even a minute left, and it's a one-score game. Everybody in that stadium, including every player in an Eagles jersey, is going to say to themselves, here we go again, here we go again. See, that's the biggest thing Tiger Woods has lost. Tiger Woods was physically a superior athlete 
to all the other golfers. But golf is not necessarily a game of, of physicality and athleticism as much as it is precision and skill. That's why Craig Stadler, I am the walrus, could get a green jacket. Now, Tiger's athleticism could sustain him for a level of dominance because of his physical conditioning. But when, when he, the number one advantage he had was the mental one. When you would watch David Duvall dominate golf until he had to play with Tiger on a Sunday at a major, and then what would we, what would we see then, Todd? Not dominating. Meltdown. Tiger busts out the red shirt, right? Tiger Woods never, ever, here's an interesting stat about Tiger. He never won a major when he trailed on the last day, never came back to win. There was no Arnie's Char- Arnie Arnold Palmer charge, Jack Nicholas on the back nine of Augusta in 86. There was, there's never been a Tiger Woods comeback win at a major. He also never lost a major that he led going into the last day either. Because you went in there thinking, this guy never loses, I got to play great. When, that, when the allure was lost, all of a sudden, it's like when a bully, when someone finally punches a bully in the mouth, everybody's like, he bleeds like the rest of us. And everybody's like, well, and, and that's for what you did to me in the sixth grade. Everybody yeah. starts taking their shots, right? And that's what's happened to Tiger. He can't get the allure back. My Michigan football team is struggling with this to some extent. That, that was the hope that Harbaugh would bring back that MO that we, we could throw our helmets out there and we're still going nine and three because people saw the helmet in the crowd. And I went, we're, they always beat us. That's always what happens. And when you lose it, man, it's hard to get it back. And Brady has that going for him. If they hand him the ball, and there's, a, even a, and there's just a minute on the clock, and it's a one-score game, every, every player on that Eagles defense is going to be anticipating something bad happens. And that's why in that scenario, I have a hard time seeing the Eagles winning outright unless they physically control the game. And, and show that this sort of was the last gasp of the Patriots' dominance. Um, and, and, and in a way, one Super Bowl this kind of remind, that, that it would remind me of, you know, Joe Gibbs had several excellent teams with the, with the Redskins in the 80s. He had the, the great run in the early 80s with Theismann and Riggins and, and um, Daryl Green and those teams. And they got, the, the second year in a row they got to the Super Bowl, they played the Raiders, and they were, they were a favorite in that game. They had beaten the Raiders early in the regular season. And they kind of all just got old, though, at once. And the Raiders were a team on the come, were the, more, were the tougher, more physical team in the trenches, and, and beat them up pretty bad. And the Redskins then had to reinvent themselves. You know, it was the end of the riggins theisman Hogs era, and they had to reinvent themselves again. So to me, either this game is the Eagles show, this is the end of the Patriots run, and that just physically they're just better than them. Or we see Brady do what he always does. You hand him the ball at the end of the game, and he beats you. It's one of those two. That's why I wouldn't, I'm, I'm going to sell. Because I think if the, if the Eagles win, I, I think it's not the game that you articulated, Aaron, in the score. All righty, continuing on here. Carl Clark says... Steve Deshaux is offered the XFL commissioner job. <laughs> I'd like to be able to buy that. I think that's highly unlikely. I am not so subtly uh, campaigning for it. I'm not shameless. I'm not too shameless to admit that. I think it'd be a great gig. Uh, but I think the chances of that are probably slim and none. And I think Slim's going for seconds to the buffet line, guys. Us. 
sell, but not because of uh, lack of uh, interest or qualifications. It it would uh, it's an obvious fit. Uh, Andy says the FBI will turn on politicized bad actors in their ranks. A cover your behind move to maintain the appearance of professionalism and objectivity. Hmm. I want to buy this. But I'm going to sell. You are correct, sir. I'm going to sell because my suspicion is the institution, the institutional mindset will double down. And they will essentially try and force Trump's hand to say, you can't get away with getting having McCabe go and fire Ray, whom you appointed to run the FBI. You, you, it'll look totally Nixonian and corrupted institutions throughout human history. If they are corrupted, we don't know if the FBI is corrupted. We have some prima facie evidence, some stuff there in on the up and up. But if an institute corrupted institutions and any culture, language, custom, etc., never fix themselves internally. It's never happened. I don't believe in human history. There's been a single example of it. That's why we have revolutions, civil wars, uh, reformations, etc. Is usually um, the Puritans start off alerting the king. Hey, you may not know this, you know, and I'm I'm sure you'd like to know, but this institution you created, yeah, it's it's not doing the stuff that it said it was going to do, and it's not acting the way that it promised it was going to act, and it's it's gone beyond incompetence to malfeasance now, and we wanted to alert you of this because we know that you want it to do um, what it's supposed to do, and you want the public trust earned, and you want us to put our faith in this institution, yeah, and. Every time Puritans try that, what do they become next, guys? Have there ever been successful Puritans? No. <laughs> nope. They become successful when they evolve to pilgrims. When after they alert the, the authority that the structure he is overseeing is a corrupt wasteland void of bureaucratic malfeasance. The next course of action is usually a mass fleeing and an exodus somewhere to start something new. Corrupted institutions just don't fix themselves. If it is corrupted, it won't do that. If it's not corrupted, then it would do those things, actually. But because of the current state we're in, my heart wants to say bye, Todd, but my head is saying sell. Yeah, and they've, uh, very early on, I don't even remember the specifics of what was going on, but uh, you cautioned Trump against uh, picking a fight with the spooks because, you know, they fight differently. You know, they know the secrets. What, were, what was that about? I mean, very beginning of his presidency. So they're, they're not just going to lay down. They're not normal. I mean, heck, they, the, the IRS didn't uh, lay down. Uh, they're absolutely going to fight. And unless and until, as Trump hasn't shown regarding the courts— if, unless, until he pulls some sort of version of an Andrew Jackson where he says, well, you made your ruling, uh, but I'm not going to adhere it, or he really goes after uh, uh, the, uh, the courts, or he fires somebody and uh, demands a total reorganization, doesn't just write a tweet or a memo that we have saw with the transgender issue, and Mattis just basically said, yeah, we're not going to do that. You know, Until he is 
the walking, talking, flame-throwing bully pulpit on this? Steve's right. Moving on, A equals A says Nancy Pelosi's days as Democratic House leader are numbered. This is another one that should be a buy. But I, I don't see anybody stepping up to challenge her. If they were smart, the former NFL player Tim Ryan, when he challenged her last year right after the election, they would have gone with him as a fresh face, as a football player who had has some connection with everyday America. Um, but they didn't. And now I, I fear they will decide that getting rid of her now in the midst of a full-blown election year will look like a desperation move and show weakness to the American people. So I, I, I'm going to sell. I don't see any evidence that, that the people running the show over there have any self-awareness whatsoever. I mean, whatsoever, like none, zip, zilch, like nada. Okay, so negative integers here. I'm selling. Yeah, my prediction on on Friday was that uh, either Schumer or Pelosi uh, would be gone. In that vein, I'm going to stick with that and say uh, that she, since she's the one we're talking about, she will be gone. But but Steve is absolutely right about his analysis uh, on that front. I've spent the last few minutes looking up whether or not uh, whether or not to go with this one. Uh, but Steve uh, at Joplin Steve says, when Lindsey Graham listens to Led Zeppelin's "The Lemon Song," he thinks Robert Plant is actually singing about citrus fruit. <laughs> <laughs> now that's look, good. That's good. Look this but, up. but Steve, there, Steve Joplin. If you're going to talk, if you're going to mix metaphors with Lindsey Gramnesty and Led Zeppelin, you've got to go with the immigrant song, brother. Come on now. Come on. That'll preach. Right? Dennis Miller would be proud of this entire little riff yes. we're doing right here. Yes. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, that's that's very well played, Steve. Yeah. Very yeah. well played. Uh, next one. Hashtag release the memo. This is from Jeffrey Broton. Release the memo sets off a chain reaction that results in more people being fired and indictments. Um, I can't... I With apologies to Joe Manchin. I have to hold. I haven't read the memo. The stance Wait. I've taken on this the entire time is I don't... I, I can't take a stance on something until they let me read it. I don't know. I can't answer that question. I can't. I have no idea. Now, if you made me, if you were to force me to guess, I would say sell, because we don't seem to hold too many people accountable for just about anything. There it is. There it is. All right. But I I don't know. I haven't read the memo. I don't know. I mean, I read, I saw my old buddy, our old coworker here at CR, Amanda Carpenter, former cruise crew alum like me, wrote a column today for Politico talking about Republicans are gaslighting America over the Nunez memo. I love Amanda to death. But how can you say that? Because we haven't done what, guys? Read the memo. We haven't read the memo. Now, Amanda could be right. By the time the memo comes, dude, this memo could be like an old joke Ronald Reagan used to tell about liberals. 
and Democrats. And the joke that Reagan used to tell about liberal Democrats is as a, a woman approaching 40 years old goes to the bridal shop to get her wedding dress. And the clerk brings out several classy uh, wedding dresses for a woman of her age and vintage. And she says, no, no, I want, I want one of those ones over there with, with the veil. And the attendant there at the bridal shop's trying to find a tactful way to say this, you know, and she says, well, um, man, those are typically for um, women that, uh, you know, are, are uh, less experienced than you. She tries to find the tactful way of saying this. There's no way you can wear a virginal wedding dress. You're almost 40 years old. She's making some assumptions, right? And the woman says, oh, I will have you know. I'm just as chaste and as, as, as any other virginal bride. Even though this is my f- fourth marriage. And the attendant says, how is that possible? How is it possible? You're on your fourth marriage. And you are claiming to be chaste and virginal. And the woman says, well, my first husband... We got into an argument after the reception. I realized what a mistake I'd made, and I you know, told the driver to pull over from the limo and immediately had it in old. And the tenant said, okay, but there's still a couple more. She says, well, my second husband, we got to the hotel, and he got so excited about what was to go, about what was to go down, he had a heart attack and tragically died right there before we could consummate the relationship. And the attendant says, well, what about that third husband of yours? And the woman says, well, my third husband was a Democrat. So he just sat at the end of the bed and told me how good it was going to be for four years. <laughs> yes. One of, one, of, one of Dutch's greatest hits. Okay? Did you like that? Well, and it's, are, are the Republicans in danger of doing this over the Nunez memo? I mean, seriously, dude. This thing better be like orgasmic, man. Right? I mean... This thing, it better be like the first time the Beatles played I Want to Hold Your Hand on the Ed Sullivan Show. It better not be like Rubber Soul Beatles. Like, what the hell is this? It sounds like the Beatles, but this is not. I mean, chicks better be crying in the aisles, losing their poop, man. Throwing, you know, garters and panties at McCartney and Lennon and even Ringo Starr for that matter. That's what this memo better be. Now, if it's not that, then Amanda can write her gaslighting column. I just don't know how we can, I don't know how I can answer his question about people, about, you know, indictments and firings or claim that we're being gaslit until I read it, though. I don't know. Todd. And now I freaking owe Joe Manchin an apology. Thanks. Who is that? Tell him to stop listening who asked that question. (laughs) Uh, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Broton never heard, nice. never uh, well, heard from him before. Let's say it is the real deal, as the IRS scandal was. Was anything remotely close to justice served concerning the IRS? The Republicans wouldn't even get get rid of Koskin and the uh, IRS yeah, commissioner. So, I think is he even still there? He might even still be there. I don't know. So even if it is that, the real question is what is the Republican Party capable of doing about now? Anything? You're on to something. So I don't want to have to apologize to the ballish yeah. eunuch I'm known helping. as Joe Manchin. I'm trying to help. I'm, we're going to correct 
Is it what's his name? The, the Jeffrey Broton. We're going to politely correct your question, Jeffrey. I'm sure what you meant to ask us is this: if the Nunez memo turns out to be exactly what Republicans are hyping it as, it will lead to firings and indictments. Are we okay with the wording of that question? Yeah, yeah. In that case, I will sell. <laughs> okay, fine. Because it seems like we hold nobody accountable for anything nowadays. Justice not served, but Steve's conscience is now clear. All right, moving on. Rob Hamilton, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish Leprechaun logo will be deemed offensive and removed by the school within five years. So, the one thing we are seeing... If that happens, I might become Protestant. <laughs> that's it! There we go. You did yep. it! That's Who knew that's all we had to do to win the Reformation all along is Notre Dame it, had to get rid of the uh, Irishman logo. It is actually a leprechaun, right? It is, yeah. It is. It's a magical creature, and they're complaining that it's cultural appropriation or something. Yes. By the way, if you've ne- by the way if you've never gone, or it's just inherently racist. Yeah, offensive to Irish people. If you've never gone to Notre Dame's campus for a game, have to do it. Okay. I mean the grotto, first down Moses, touchdown Jesus. It's it's insane. It should be on your bucket list as a college sports fan, regardless of what you think of the school or the team. It's an incredible atmosphere. Um, that notwithstanding, there's no chance in hell, literally, that's ever going to happen. The one thing we're saying is when you go after somebody's athletic cash cow, no is the answer. No. This is where my idolatry beats yours. <laughs> All right. My idolatry of love for my favorite team. Those same boosters at Notre Dame applauding bringing in abortionist Barack Obama to give a commencement. Now you're telling him, well, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to get rid of the Irisman logo because, you know, it's really culturally offensive. All of a sudden, dude, they're going to discover their Catholic heritage real, real quick like, okay, because that's my team. That's my quarterback. Yeah, now you're going right. to, you start coming to them with this and you'll get some business cards with uh, one phrase on it get behind me, Satan, yes. handed out to you. Yeah, not happening. One good example of this is uh, uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell was on a show on ESPN yesterday. And one of the hosts asked him, Well, with all the cultural sensitivity that people are becoming awa- awakened to, <laughs> might the Redskins finally reconsider, or might the Washington football team finally reconsider? The use of their derogatory term. I mean, the Cleveland Indians are changing their ter- their name. And Roger Goodell, who is literally letting people on, a, on his watch, players on the field, audition for contributors' jobs at Al Jazeera America, l- said, I, I don't think Daniel Snyder and the owner of the Redskins is, is, is going to budge from that. And the ESPN host has quickly moved on to their next question. I, you, you, this, the sports idol is more powerful right now than your PC idol. Ask Colin Kaepernick. Ask all those writers who said a few years ago they were going to stop using Redskins in their writings about the Washington football team. And the same will be true here of Notre Dame. Exactly. All right. Matthew Shoon says Trump attends an XFL game in 2020. Bye. I'm buying that. Buying that. Are you kidding me? Absolutely, dude. Bye. Total buy. In 2020, that's their first season. That's mm-hmm. when they that's the, they don't start until then. Oh, I thought it was 19, uh, 2019. Plus, oh. it's an election year, guys. So yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, abs- Yeah. Easy. I mean, more than attend. 
if he runs, he'll attend. Well, McMahon will go. We'll make sure he's not on the field and stuff because they won't want to politicize it. Okay. If he's, Are if you he's sure. It, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Welcome to Thunderdome! <laughs> You're fired! Was that a good Vince McMahon? Was that good? Yeah, so since you put it that way, meaning that you caused me to actually reconsider the dumb position I just took, you're totally right, yes. Uh, so you're both buying that? Yeah, we're buying it. All right, OCROG says Democrats will pro- cross over party lines this year to vote Republican. I'm already selling. Whatever was coming after Democrats crossing over party lines, sell. I mean, I, whatever was going to happen next. Oh, you're talking about like people. Yeah, people. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, I mean, we already saw that in 2016. So we're, I'm going to buy. The question is, will he retain enough of them to, for will Republicans retain enough of them to retain control? But that we've already seen. They've, we saw that happen in 2016. So I'm going to buy that. Yeah. The question is, will it be enough? That's what we don't know the answer to. But yeah, they'll get some. You bet they will. Yeah, well, last night showed the potential for that, so bye. See, what you have right now is the people running the Republican Party are to the left of their base, of their average. The average Democrat voter is not the Bernie Sanders surrogate you saw me retweet today, cheering on a train derailment of Republican congressmen, which included a fatality. The average Democrat voter is the single mom you grew up with, like me. The average Democrat voter is the guy that, that, that works for the, the local 490 of you know the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW. That's your average Democrat voter. The average Democrat voter is not hanging out on Haight-Ashbury with hippie lettuce. The, the average Democrat voter doesn't th- thinks st- safe spaces are for manginas, okay? What you have, though, is the leadership of the Republican Party is to the left of the average Republican, and the leadership of the Democratic Party is to the left of the average Democrat. And that's been true for some time. That's why Reagan said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, it left me. And the reason why the leadership of the Democratic Party is to the left of the average voter is because it's for the same reason the the leadership of the Republican Party is to the left of you and I. The people writing the checks to get people into positions of power and leadership in the Republican Party are to the left of of you and I. They're people like Peter Thiel, who's who's a homosexual activist billionaire that Trump loves. That's who's writing the major checks in the Republican Party. And so that's why the leadership goes with, the, with what, they, what they want. In the Democratic Party, it's true too. The, the Warren Buffetts, the Tom Steyers, the Jeff Bezos, the, the people that write the big checks in the Democratic Party are the, are the real progressives. And that's why Nancy Pelosi is still in charge and they didn't go find their one elected Democrat congressman in Kansas to be the leader instead, just to put a good face on what they want to do. And so th- that's why they're to the left of the average Democrat. And that's why you'll see Demo- some Democratic voters cross over and vote Republican. We just have to wait until November to see whether that will be enough of, there will be enough of them that do that or not. Buying that, Todd? Uh, yeah, I did. I th- and last night chose the potential uh, for it. If, uh, 75% approval. You, you, you grow that snow again, as Steve said. It's tomorrow is February. Sure. All right, Corey says Donald Trump will name Joe Kennedy slobbering Joe Kennedy. <laughs> uh, 
it'll it won't be slobbering Joe Kennedy. It'll be slobbering Joe, sweaty Joe. Could I make a suggestion though to the president? In fact, I know many of you don't believe this. I actually have several friends that work in the White House. I may text one of them this today and tell him, don't tell him this is for me because then he won't do it. It's from you, okay? My suggestion, get ready. This is going to be a mic drop. Are you ready? I'm mm-hmm. hyping this like the freaking Nunez memo. <laughs> All right? <laughs> this suggestion is so good, Trump's going to want to be spanked with it. He's going to want somebody write it on a piece of paper, spank me with this. I love this suggestion. All right? Because it's a double pun. It goes after somebody who has rehabilitated their career by mocking Trump at the same time. He needs to call Joe Kennedy. Are you ready? Wait for it. Wait for it. Shvetty Kennedy. <laughs> That's what he needs to call him. Shvetty. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Maybe the all-time greatest Saturday Night Live skit of all time with Alec Baldwin. By Alec Baldwin, who's, who's now doing Trump. Yes. It's a, it's a, you are, you are hammering, you're hammering multiple birds with one stone here. You call him Shvetty Kennedy. Bam. Bam. How you like me now? That is a freaking mic. I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself a mic drop, and I don't care. I thought we were. I deserve it. I thought we were encouraging Trump not to tweet after last night. Shvetty, <laughs> Shvetty, Kennedy. Yes. I'm, I'm half tempted to look at Twitter right now, and it'll be there. Yeah. I mean. Uh, one more, and then we can decide what we're going to do next. Uh, Paul Boyer, Mel Gibson's Paul, the Apostle of Christ, will be big. Define big, I know, but big. This is the Passion Huge. sequel that he's going to get ready to film. Apparently, yeah. uh, it will be massive. A total buy on that. It will be complete. It'll be a huge hit. You bet. I mean, the original Passion movie in '04, I think, is the most successful independent film, meaning independent of a major studio. Uh, in the history of cinema, uh, he made it, financed it with his own money for thirty million in, in investors, and it made over three hundred and sixty million dollars domestic alone, and that doesn't count video sales, international sales, the global box office, etc. So, no question about it, it will be big. You bet. Yeah, on the part of me thinks, you know, it's the rare sequel, no matter how well done, that can live up to the greatness when when its original is is so great and this isn't this isn't a sequel in any i mean it's a totally unique kind of it's the next it's it's the next chapter right right what what was the next what Uh, happened after he walked out of the tomb on the other hand the I, i think there are there are people who didn't see it um strictly because of how violent it was and i think you might just have more people because I mean, there's now I don't know what he's going to, but I'm this is gonna, Christ's descent into hell is going to be in this movie. Uh, it, it's fascinating. I mean, uh, Mel Gibson, he went there with the first one, and apparently, he's going to do it again. Uh, bravo! That it, he could he could fail miserably at trying to visualize what might be impossible. Worth taking a shot at. Hey. I'll I'll pay the ten bucks gladly. All right, um, we're out of time. I'm gonna let you guys decide. I've got the top twenty bands of the '80s. Do you guys want to go through this, or should we save this for next week? I I think the level of outrage I am likely 
to exert in response to this list is, is going to require its own episode. Okay. I agree. <laughs> I'm fairly confident. I'll buy that. I'm fairly confident <laughs> I will be the one losing my poop over this conversation. Remember how and hard by I the laughed way, at our last I list? I still haven't found what I'm looking for Should by you two should be on that list. They're still wrong. Okay. Still haven't forgotten that, have you? I have. I won't. Oh, I've not yet begun to fight. Are you kidding me? All right. Final thoughts, Todd. Go. Uh, progressivism is cancer. Aaron. What Todd said. Nice. Don't forget to check us out today on CRTV. Promo code DACE. You get a reduced subscription. CRTV.com. By using my name, you'll get all of the shows we have at CRTV each and every day. And we have monthly subscription options as well. We'll back at it again tomorrow. Theology Thursday should be tons of fun. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you.